0: Welcome, everybody, to the Suzuka Paddock. I'm stood just outside the Red Bull hospitality area where the celebrations are going wild because, of course, Max Verstappen has just won his second world title at the home race for Honda, of all places. And as you can imagine, everyone is very happy. The sparkling wine is spraying everywhere with a bit of Red Bull, of course. And we've got a bumper pack show coming your way as we reflect on all things Max and, of course, what was a sensational Japanese Grand Prix. I'm going to be joined by Juan Fossaroli, who works for ESPN uh, in Latin America, and Christian Kleen, former Red Bull Racing driver. And in the course of the show, we bump into Raymond Vermeulen, who is Max Verstappen's manager, Rob Marshall, chief engineering officer for Red Bull Racing, Paul Monaghan, the chief engineer, and Dutch journo, Ronald Bording. extraordinary scenes here at Suzuka we have a new two-time world champion talking of world champions by the way no Damon Hill this week uh, and no Natalie Pinkham but I have a sort of new Damon Hill with me we've got Christian Klein, who actually got his best qualifying result here at Suzuka back in 2005 uh, for Red Bull look Christian it's great to have you on the show sum up the job that Max Verstappen has done this year i think it was a, a, a what a crazy weekend again it seems like we
2: see this so often here in Susoka that it gets a little bit chaotic we had the race start at two it was intermediate clearly a lap later it was pouring down cars were going off uh, after two laps we had a safety car we had to wait for another two hours but luckily for the fans we we saw another you know, great short race of 28 laps where Max Verstappen just demonstrated again how strong he is in wet conditions all, 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 all over the season. He's just been so dominant and he just demonstrated that again today. But Christian, what has impressed you the most about Max Verstappen? Again today at the, at the first start of the race, he, his start wasn't that good. Charles Leclerc had a better getaway and he was on the inside for turn one but then Max just has to go around the outside, the old uh, go-kart line, and, uh, and passes Leclerc again, and then just, you know, tricky conditions, and uh, for sure in his mind somewhere, there was uh, for sure the World Championship, uh, but
0: you cannot see it. He just uh, has, uh, has such good nerves, it seems like. Interesting thing, I said to him in the press conference just a minute ago, where do you think you've improved this year? And he didn't really answer. He said, you don't get quicker at this stage in your Formula One career. It's all about experience and and how you sort of put that experience into play. But I beg to differ. I think he has improved. He's a more complete driver. Would yes. you agree with that? Uh,
2: absolutely. And he, he has calmed down more. I would say he has, again, even a better overview over, over the races. He's uh, uh, controlling his tyres well. Sometimes he waits for an overtaking manoeuvre because he's just got more clever, more patience. And that's also how you get results in the end uh, together. And I mean, very often, um, more often than not, Charles Leclerc started ahead of him in the races. But, uh, but it just put, Max just put everything together and, and beat him in, in the race. And
0: his racecraft just got much better, I felt. I asked him as well to name the highlight of the year so far. And, well, what do you think his highlight's been? And then I'll tell you what he said, his best race. I would say Spa was his best race. He said Spa, he just said the car was unbelievable. I just felt I could do anything in it. Yes. And what impressed me about
2: him in Spa, you could see it already, FP1 on his first flying lap. He was two and a half seconds quicker than the rest of the field. He just got out on this track, felt immediately comfortable. And uh, and he, he just showed that all over the weekend. And, I mean, he did a fabulous race, overtaking maneuvers, unbelievable.
0: He was just uh, in one piece with the car, I would say. Now, you may be able to hear the music pumping away in the background because Christian and I have come down to the back of the Red Bull garage where they have just had their celebratory photo. Uh, the gang are now just coming back out of the back of the garage and um, in fact, a lot of Honda people here this weekend. How significant is that to do it here in Honda land, as we like to call it? I think
2: for Max Verstappen, I mean, he knew he's gonna win this championship this year, but I think it was just icing on the cake to do it here in in Japan because of Honda. Uh, I think Honda was extremely helpful that Red Bull is that successful right now and uh, it was just uh, uh, the perfect
0: scenario, I would say, yeah, okay, to get so the World Championship here. So that's Max, another World Championship, his 12th, 12th victory of the season. We've still got four races to go. He could break, he should break, really, that record of 13 races in a season, shouldn't he?
2: I'm pretty sure he will, pretty sure he will. And uh, if you look back at the beginning of the season, it wasn't that clear that, uh, you know, it was
0: such a dominant season for Red Bull. But okay. they turned it around really maybe we can just grab a very quick word raymond yes. raymond Vermulen, manager of max you've just come yes. back from the team photo just give us some thoughts on the job your boy's done this year
2: i think uh, he was strong all year of course we had a bit of a difficult moment and start of the season but I think when everything was right, he was doing an amazing job. Like today, in the, in the wet, he was uh, from uh, a league on no. his own. So I think it's well-deserved. I think it's uh, the best place to have it with Honda. I think the team a, did a fantastic uh, job of making uh, the package complete and uh,
3: Max did the rest.
0: I must ask you. You're wearing this Max Verstappen yeah. World Champion 2022 t- uh, sort of T-shirt. Yeah. Um, how long have how long have they been ready?
1: No, 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 only just a week. So we have just some samples, but everything is online for sale. So we are uh, we are on it. So all good.
0: Do you think Max has done a better job this year than last year? I
2: think, of course, you drive with less pressure. And I think uh, after winning last year's championship, it's, he's in a different mode and I think he's still improving. And like today, you know, he's, he's
0: one of a kind, I think. Raymond, many congratulations to you. Christian, you can almost forget, you know, as we, we sit here amid all these celebrations at Red Bull, that there was actually other people in this motor race today. Uh, and let's just talk about the job that others have done. Sergio Perez finishes P2 what did you make of that move right at the end of the race where i mean do you think he forced charles leclerc into a mistake or just what yes. were your thoughts on that battle
2: yeah i felt like clearly he forced him into a mistake he put so much pressure on for for the last 4 5 6 laps uh, charles had difficulties rear tires were really going off uh, i think also charles made a good job to stay uh, for that long ahead of him but in the end that's You know, for Red Bull Racing, again, the perfect uh, teammate for for Max as well. He's just there when he needs to be there. He feels more and more comfortable uh, in the team, and he's such
0: a good team player. That's so beneficial for Red Bull Racing too. There's an interesting comparison to make between Red Bull and Ferrari in that I thought when the race got going after the rolling start and Charles Leclerc so much pressure on Max, and then he dropped away. And it's sort of what we saw in Singapore last weekend as well when it was the other way around it. Well, it was Charles putting pressure on Checo, really close to him. And then as the race progressed, dropped away. So it seems, tell me if I'm wrong, that Ferrari have got issues with their tires overheating and dropping away.
2: Yes, they do. Uh, Not only in dry conditions, but it seems also in in, in wet conditions or where uh, they just put more heat into the tires. That's probably good for one lap, yes but then in race conditions, they they seem to struggle more. And quite often, you know, the, the race victories also slip away from them just because of having, you know, higher
0: tire degradation. And so for Charles, how much of a kick is this? You know, he's had such a quick car all year. Let's remind our listeners that after the Australian Grand Prix, he was more than 40 points ahead of Max. Unbelievable. And yet he's had to say goodbye to the championship with four races to go. I think his face on
2: the podium said everything today, he was really disappointed and uh, I mean today it just got reality that they lost the world championship and I think for a very long time this season you know it was still in his in his head and his mind maybe we can turn it around maybe we can turn it around they have a quick car yes but the gap just got so too big in the end uh, and I think reality hit him today.
0: And so, what have Ferrari got to do? I mean, they need to improve the car, yes, but what else? We haven't had you on the show this year, so I just love your take on the job that Ferrari have done so far this year. I think they just
2: have to come together, more together as a a team. Uh, Stop mistakes uh, on the the strategy side, uh, it feels like. Technical issues hurt them as well a little bit. There were a few mistakes from the drivers as well. Obviously, it's been for Ferrari for the first time in a long time that they were actually fighting for a world championship. And I think in this area, Max was just more calm. Red Bull was more ready to fight for a championship. And if it's that close, you can't afford all these little mistakes, it seems like. And if you think uh, beginning of the season, It almost felt like it's a a clear run for Ferrari this year because they were that dominant uh, with the car, but they underestimated, I think, how quickly Red Bull
0: was turning it around and how complete they are as a team. In terms of raw speed, do you see much difference between Max and Charles? I don't think so. I
2: think uh, Charles is equally talented. Uh, I mean that uh, some of his pole position laps that he put together this year was just... Unbelievable, I also think he has, he has the racecraft, but if, he, if you have a, you know, bigger tyre degradation during, during the race, there's not much that you can do as a driver. Yes, you can, uh, uh, like Perez like Paris, he's uh, one of the best in, in, in saving rear tyres, for example, but I think at the end they're all pretty good in, in that sense. And ultimately, you need the car that that performs over one and a half hours and uh, it just didn't have this uh, most of the races. I
0: mean, there's no doubt that Charles has made more mistakes than Max this year. But actually, you could argue quite strongly that you're going to make more mistakes in a car that uses its tyres more in a race and isn't as good as the Red Bull. When you're trying to hang on, I mean, think back to the French Grand Prix.
2: Yeah, and a lot of the mistakes that happened to both Ferrari drivers was because they ha- seem to have quite a loose rear end that's a little bit unpredictable, and then obviously if, if you're already a little bit on the back foot, you push that just extra couple of percent more, and, and you're driving closer at the limit, then it's obviously easy to make a mistake. It's easy to uh, finger point, but uh, but I think if he has the right package, um, I mean Charles Leclerc is definitely also a, a former, a future Formula One world champion. You see, if if he has. Uh,
0: the car that uh, he requires to do now we're joined by ronald fording a dutch journalist how big a news is this for you guys back home yeah it's huge it's huge oh i mean i have to say everyone knew that the title was coming sooner or later
2: but everyone back in holland really wanted it to happen this weekend i guess after Zandvoort, this is maybe the most anticipated weekend back in holland just because the honda is so much loved and all the dutchies but wanted max to win it here So yeah, it was a bit awkward, a bit weird, also in the media center
0: afterwards, complete mayhem. Uh, But yeah, in the end the perfect scenario I guess, both for Max, Red Bull, Honda and also the Dutch fans. Christian, Zandvoort next year is going to be mental,
2: isn't it? Can it be any bigger than it was already? (laughs) I think it's been uh, unbelievable, for me one of the best race events, let's say. Uh, It's unbelievable and I think the Dutch fans they have even more to celebrate next year with two drivers on the grid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Nick De Vries joining in. Uh, the, the good thing is that, that Max played a, a huge role in that. Max, uh, he had dinner with Nick after, a, after Monza, and he basically told him, OK, you have to do one thing, call Dr. Helmut Marko on Monday after the race. That's what he did. So yeah. Nick gave Dr. Helmut Marko a phone call, had a meeting in Grass uh, the same week, yeah. and that's how it all turned
0: around. So uh, Max and Nick, they are really good friends. So Max helped him a little bit to push him towards the authoritarian seat. Perfect. Perfect. Well done. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Now, finally, Christian, we have the third member of our trio, Juan Fossaroli, Italian, but also ESPN all over Latin America. You came on the show, of course, back uh, in Saudi Arabia. We need your thoughts on Max Verstappen and what the
3: hell you've been doing for the last three hours. Well, first of all, we were celebrating with Max Verstappen there in the main straight. Incredible, fantastic. It was funny because before they were waiting for Max, it was Horner, Checo... Uh, Newe watching the last laps with Checo fighting with, uh, with Charles Leclerc. And each time they were very close. Everybody, the team screaming. Finally, I mean, Checo did a great job. Max is champion. Because of Checo, he's champion in this race. was fantastic. This year for Max was incredible. Maybe the last race in Singapore was the lowest point of the season for him, but the rest, incredible. How many Japanese fans are still here to witness it all? Well, they were there waiting and screaming with Checo and Max each time they were showing something on the main uh, screen but they're there supporting i mean what a great end no with the people of Honda there everybody supporting Max he did a incredible race i mean what a performance from Max Verstappen he's the man now
0: Christian, you drove for this team, oh crikey, how many years ago do we call it now? 2005? Oh my God, it's a long time ago. (laughs) uh, 2005 and six, yeah. A lot of the key people are the same now as they were back then. What is so special about Red Bull Racing? Christian Horner actually said recently that he thinks they're performing at a higher level now than ever before, but just, can you give us a little bit of insight from the inside? I think uh,
2: Red Bull Racing started off 2005 and six, taken it a bit easy. They want to, Actually they wanted to give a little bit of a different approach into Formula One, open everything up. We were known as a, a party team. As well. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. But that quickly changed I think. Uh, then you you know you have to put everything together to be successful in Formula One. That's clearly all, always been the target of, of Dietrich Matischitz to invest so much money in this sport and I think uh, as you said, this is a lot of people are still in the team from back then. It just created that momentum, having this more, more or less same people for, for, for this long journey. And if you understand each other blindly, it,
0: it just helps as well. Eh? Your teammate back then was David Coulthard, of course. But when you look at all the driver pairings that Red Bull have had, is this, as Juan says you know, the driver pairing, the perfect driver pairing for this team. Jaco Perez, Max Verstappen.
2: I think so. I think back in the day, uh, Vettel were uh, really good, strong teammates uh, as well. They pushed each other. I don't think uh, Verstappen needs somebody that pushes him. He, he always performs at his highest uh, level. But at the same time, it's important to have a, a teammate who is there but well, you have troubles in races. Also to win the Constructors World Championship. And I spoke earlier uh, this afternoon with uh, Christian Horn and he said the next step they want to get is the Constructors World Championship to beat uh, Mercedes for the first time in the hybrid area. I think that, uh, that's uh, just really important for them. would be a
0: huge milestone to, uh, again. Juan, what does Checo say <laughs> about the challenge of trying to compete with Max Verstappen?
3: Well, obviously, in one point of the season, he was competing against Max. He was more comfortable in the car with the win in Monaco. Then the things started to turn around more, not in favor, but more to the side of Max Verstappen. But Checo, what happened in Singapore, he he demonstrated that he can win also. He can challenge Max in some circuits, not all the time. It's very difficult when we have these unique drivers that come very, not often, like the football players. But... It's a really difficult for Checo, but Checo have the experience. He understands very well the car. He has a different, uh, well, Christian will know better than that, a different style of, of driving. Maybe it's weird to have so different styles of driving with the teammates, but they help each other, no? finding the best car. And I think the RB18 is now for far the best car. I mean, not for far, but it's the best car. And race pace is incredible. And also one lap. No? Ferrari was maybe leading in that aspect but in the race who can catch max and the rb18 i don't know well sometimes check <laughs> how good is the rb18 relative to the others
2: it's probably not the quickest car over one lap uh, but do you need it really with the new regulations you can now follow cars better so therefore you can overtake in races so what you need is the best car in a race that performs over uh, one and a half hours. Tire degred- degradation is a, is a huge point of it and I think there is a
0: Red Bull this year unbeatable. Joined now by Rob Marshall. Now, Rob, I've got to ask, you've got some face paint going on here. What's It's Dutch, isn't it? You've gone the whole I team. Know, I
4: can't see it. You're the only you can see it. <laughs> I can't no, see it.
0: The whole team has gone Dutch. You've got face paint on. I mean, you've been at Red Bull for so many years. What does this one mean?
4: Oh, it's brilliant. Having been in the doldrums for for, you know, so many years under Mercedes dominance. And then getting the drivers last year, getting the drivers again this year is, a, is really special.
0: But what about the performance of the car this year? You know, can I remind you of Australia? We came away from there. You'd had a difficult weekend. Charles Leclerc was 40 odd points ahead. What were you thinking then?
4: Yeah, well, it was going to be easy, but, um, and it still hasn't been. But I mean, I, I guess for the first half of the year, Ferrari had the edge had had the edge on us. Had a, had a better car, and I think it's still only marginals. But we're a little bit better than them now. So yeah, see you
0: saws around.
4: What it's, are, not it's not it's not dominance though.
0: What are the strengths of the RB18? When you look at what you the work you've done, what are you most proud of?
4: I guess under new regulations, it's always difficult to know whether you've done the right thing or not. And I think we got to the first test, and we found that actually what we'd done wasn't too far off the pace and um, we didn't seem to be struggling on certain issues that other people were clearly having problems with and you know many have continued to so I don't think it was, it was you know a great triumph of design but we certainly avoided some design banana peel skins and whatever that, that other people fell in or slipped on.
0: How nervous were you coming into the year because you battled right to the end of last year obviously so you must have been juggling an awful lot of balls at a crucial time in the development of this this year's car um, so how nervous were you when we turned up in, in Barcelona for the shakedown?
4: There wasn't a, a, a carryover nut or bolt on the car, you know, the whole aero regs are different, chassis regs completely different, new suspension, new gearbox, new... You know, there's, there's nothing you could really go, take, take from the year before going, oh, that bit's all right, so at least we don't have to worry about that. The whole thing was potentially, you know, potentially a disaster, but luckily nothing was. And then over the course of the year we've kind of been able to, been able to iron out some of the
0: smaller problems we had and then build on that. So it's it's been pretty good, really. We're celebrating Max's title, obviously, today. A, a word on the job he's done this year and, and where, if anywhere, you think he's improved over last year?
4: I think he's just been exceptional, hasn't he? I mean, almost faultless. And his approach to every race is kind of head down, get on with it, right, get on the next one.
0: Where's the emphasis now back at the factory? Are you still developing this car? Is it... Is everything on 2023? Just, can you give us any insight into that?
4: Yes, yeah, it's, it's all on next year's car now, yeah.
0: Will this car stay the same between now and Abu Dhabi?
4: There'll be a few up
0: issues and things like that, but no real big, big jobs coming. Brilliant, well, thank you very much for your time. It's great to speak to you. Many congratulations on not only today, but just a great season. Yeah, great, thanks very much, cheers. So Rob Marshall has been at Red Bull for donkeys. And it's interesting, I thought the first thing he said is, to beat Mercedes that's almost like it's been a, a motivating force for those guys for, for well certainly for the last eight years
3: yeah and obviously after Red Bull clinched four titles constructed titles consecutively with also Vettel that has has a champion and then suddenly show Irid area and Mercedes dominance wasn't more that expected maybe no we thought it was maybe they will catch up much faster and since 2014 to last year was Mercedes fighting for the constructors that must be a, a great satisfaction for the team now going back what they deserve now they say they were the last construction champions before Mercedes and and now they are in the target they're going to get it you know? it's impossible to lose the constructors. also
0: so how much would you give to drive this year's RB18?
3: <laughs> a lot.
2: <laughs> on Friday it was. Yeah, I stood out at turn five. Just had a look at the cars, and it's just incredible how quick they are nowadays. It feels like uh, the grip they have in the corners is just amazing. I would love to drive it, but I have to work on my uh, neck
0: muscles first. Oh, <laughs> so. Actually, I think you're in decent but I'm not sure yeah, yeah. if it's just poor muscles. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, but when you were trackside, what was the Red Bull doing differently to the other cars? Was it noticeable? To me, it was just very, very stable. To me,
2: on Friday, there touched too much understeer in the SS. Uh, Ferrari looked better there. Um, yeah, but generally, just most of the cars, it just looks so, you know, solid there. Just really sucked to the ground precise driving of the of the drivers that's just amazing and just the raw speed because in tv
0: you don't don't really see it only when you go really track yeah we're now joined by paul monaghan the chief engineer at red bull paul you've you've been here a long time
1: thank you you've
0: won a We've lot been been of rec- rain So yes. it <laughs> does feel like it Yeah. Stay on with it come it's on it's been a long afternoon but just how does this one compare to all the successes you've had before
1: gosh that's a good question isn't it different Equally as satisfying, we're going to get squashed squash by a forklift. I remember the first Constructors' Championship, Brazil 2010. There wasn't a belief that we could get there, it was sort of an expectation and it was then a massive relief. This one, it feels a bit more like we've earned it and we're rightfully there as opposed to being a little bit lucky, which may sound a bit strange, but you've asked me the question that's how I would answer it. So uh, thrilled for everybody that, uh, that works for um, the team, supports the team, Honda. Uh, there's a load of people back in Milton Keynes doing wonderful work. There's a few of us here that um, you know, look flash flashing the telly, but what a team effort. And we've taken on you know, one of the biggest car manufacturers in the world and beaten them. What point in the season do you think we're probably favourites for this now? Netherlands. I think Monza, we were a little bit fortunate up until then. You, you, you don't want to let it get away from yourself. You think we've really got to mess up if we're going to... Uh, to fall over, but uh, never take it for granted. You know, Charles is a hell of a driver, isn't he? So uh, in answer to your question, no, I never really felt it was in the bag until it is. So there
0: we go. What about this car from an engineering point of view? They're so stiff. Just how different are these 22 cars to work on and to extract performance
1: from? They are different beasts. You know, you only had to look at last year's to realise that one of your primary pursuits was front ride height and compared with the Mercedes, we were much higher in the rear ride height, as were most of the other people. Now, you've got a a ground-effect car which needs to be close to the ground, can't be too close to the ground, and needs to operate through a speed range when it's generating downforce. You've got tyres that squash under the load, so we're high at low speed and low at high speed, and it's almost um, backwards, isn't it? They are running stiffer, but we're trying to hold the whole platform near the ground. It's a ground-effect car. It's not. doesn't come as a surprise. The Group C cars were like it, weren't they? Previous generation of F1 cars, Lotus did a twin chassis, didn't they? So That was back in the day. Yeah, that's a ground-effect car, though. We shouldn't be surprised at this. We have fought, um, with a wonderful development programme, some very skilled people, to have a car that can deal with the rigours of Singapore here and the other circuits. We appear to be on a good seam of development so we've got to keep, uh, keep our heads down and keep going but yeah they're very different
0: What sort of a job has our new world champion done this year?
1: My observation of him it, it's only a personal view is I've seen a more assured Max with his own performances you know disappointments like uh, Bahrain, Australia they didn't derail him he'd come to see you and you'd say well this has happened that's happened we'll sort it out so, yeah, I, I, and you, you'd see a calmness to him which wasn't always there in the past and obviously, you know, last year was was a tumultuous moment with Lewis, and he he fought all the way. This year, you know, in adversity, he's demonstrated unbelievable levels of skill and confidence. Um, we've been a bit fortunate. If you look at Spain, we shouldn't really have won that one, but we did. So I've seen a more mature Max driving better than I've ever seen him drive. So he might say I'm a muppet, and he was brilliant last year as well. He was brilliant last year, but this year it's been a calmness and an assurance. And Checo's done another wonderful role in a very difficult environment, you know, going up against Max, to always be there, always fighting, and ultimately won it for him at uh, this race, didn't he? Brilliant. Certainly did, and thank you for those words, and enjoy the celebrations.
0: Cheers, oh, yes. thank cheers, you thank you. Well, a more assured Max Verstappen this year. There we go, we got it from the chief engineer
3: at Red Bull. Yeah, I mean, keep proving. I think. Since last year, I think that fight with Lewis got him a little bit more mature. He not correct errors he did last year, but in the fights with because maybe people say, oh, now the the fights are cleaner with Charles or, or with Carlos or with with Checo. I think uh, he he went from last year and say, okay, I have to correct this and do this, and he did it, and that's major. know? Uh, I think so, and. It was incredible what Paul said, no? Under pressure, adversity, he's still, come on, let's go, let's go, and he's focused, and maybe that was missing before. He he is coming, he's still here doing interviews. I mean, what a guy, no?
0: Surrounded by Japanese fans, posing for photos, just a very happy guy. He's actually flying back to Europe tonight, not tempted to stay for um, the celebrations here, but I imagine there'll be a lot of celebrating in the air. I think
2: so, and uh, there's a little bit of a break until the next uh, race, so a good time and it's a long flight. It is a long flight. You can have a few drinks.
0: So the top 10 looks like this. Max Verstappen, the 2022 Formula One world champion, wins his 12th race of the year. And Checo Perez takes his seventh second place of the season, with Charles Leclerc rounding out the podium in third place. Esteban Ocon is fourth, his best result of the season. Lewis Hamilton fifth. And Seb Vettel finished sixth. And at one point, he was down in P18. Fernando Alonso in the second Alpine is 7th, George Russell 8th, Nicholas Latifi takes his first points finish of the season in ninth. and Lando Norris rounds out the top 10 in 10th. Now, quite rightly, we are celebrating this championship of Max Verstappen, but those 28 laps were tremendous. And there are a few other stories to talk about. And I want to start with Esteban Ocon and the way he kept Lewis Hamilton at bay. Fourth place, his best result of the season. But I would argue strongly that that was his best race in Formula 1. And I'm including
3: the Hungarian Grand Prix last year. Yeah, maybe, because having that pressure from Lewis Hamilton, we know how he performs in this racetrack. And uh, obviously, they were missing that straight line speed to make the, the move. But it was very, very like uh, had a surgery, you know. All the moves, and they didn't not even touch once. It looks like they touch, they didn't. You need two drivers to perform that kind of. But the defense of of how he he protected himself from Lewis Hamilton for how many laps? The whole race, I think, was incredible. Yeah, maybe I think in these conditions, they stopped like almost one hour and a half. Go back to the car. What happened with the crane? You know, a lot of stuff that. You know, Lewis with experience, you thought, well, maybe he can uh, can handle better. But at the end, Esteban Ocon kept that position. That was fantastic. I think, yeah, I, I um, agree with you, maybe the best performance. The other one was very great because it was a win. But anyway, this one was fantastic.
0: What did you think of Esteban's car positioning in that battle? Perfect. It was just perfect. Uh... Lewis Hamilton was for sure
2: quicker at that point of the race and uh, obviously missing uh, some of the top speed. So therefore his positioning of the car, reading what's uh, Lewis Hamilton going to do, uh, was just perfect. And he didn't crack under pressure. And uh, I think anyway, uh, Esteban is a little bit of an underrated driver. He has a lot of uh, good races that are uh, a little bit under the radar
0: sometimes. That's him. He's just Mr. Consistent, isn't he, really?
2: Yes, I mean, you see that also in the points uh, compared to Fernando. Uh, Of course, Fernando has been a little bit unlucky this year, for sure. But even Fernando feels like he's performing on such a high level again.
0: It's incredible. Yeah, but Ocon has something to answer there all the time. Now, one of the news stories to happen this weekend is Pierre Gasly going Mm. to join Ocon at Alpine next year. What do we make of that?
2: Maybe not. Maybe they push each other as well. Uh, I think for Gasly, it can just save his career. I think he got a little bit... uh, frustrated a little bit unmotivated at the situation at uh, Alpha Tauri and also that, uh, that it's clear that he's not moving up to the, to the top team number one team Red Bull again and I think it's just the right timing for him to get this fresh motivation again uh, to get to a factory drive uh, Alpine of course maybe there's a little bit of tension there but in, in the end yeah, they are both old enough now to be on, on top of that little issues they had in the past Does,
0: does tension matter between drivers? Or is that actually a good thing, because it makes them raise their game?
2: I think they can push each other if there's a little bit of tension as well. If they pull together in the same direction, uh, it can also help a team.
3: Yeah, I think so. Um, They say there were some issues with them when they were younger, and they have some fights. But I think they are very professional drivers. They want the best for the team and for themselves. And I think it's going to be a good pair. They're very... Stefan is a very... I don't want to tell... Well, maybe I put it in the side of Checo. No, but we saw how, with also with Alonso, now how he's with teammates. Maybe it's that the point that maybe they have to fix a little bit because you have to think in the team. But they're going to push each other for sure. And Alonso did a great job. Let's not forget
0: that he finished the race in P7. Would you have pitted him late in the race when the team did? No, <laughs> <laughs> but he ended up at the, the same what, position you, than, uh, than he was think, before. Why do you think they pitted him?
2: I think he was a little bit stuck uh, where he was. So the decision was, look, we, we can gain so much time, uh, probably four or five seconds per lap it was at that time mm. of the race uh, on new tyres or on fresh uh, intermediates. And I think he had
0: not much to lose in the end. I loved seeing Alonso and Max, for that matter, in the wet on Friday, just immediately getting down to a quick lap time. And you it's in those conditions, isn't it, that you see the difference between the great and the good. the The, the greats within a couple of laps in the wet, are right on the limit. The good, take a few more laps just to find the limit.
3: Yeah, but also you have to have the car, no? At some point, I mean, obviously the driver makes in that conditions a difference, but if you have the right car, um, you can argue, well, wh- which is a driver who, with more wins in the wet? is Lewis, more than Schumacher and Senna, but he have the car, no? And he always performed very well in the wet, but today with not the car, he didn't perform what he were expecting. Even they do one, two, and and Friday and, and the wet session. But yeah, Max, we saw it in 2016 in Brazil. Remember, was a great performance, and in a lot of another races. I think he have the right car. He have the talent to perform well in the rain, and Alonso too. They have some issues in rain also. Eh? I don't remember Fuji, 2000s. <laughs> to N7, seven, and yeah crashed yeah, on that that yeah. fast yeah. right hander <laughs> I mean uh, the, the race but anyway
0: it, that happens <laughs> but this double points finish good points finish for Alpine means this yo-yoing battle for P4 in the constructors championships sees them 13 points ahead of McLaren who were three points ahead as we came into this weekend so I don't think we've seen the end of it except the Alpine does seem to be the better car at the moment
2: I think so. And I think uh, the, the updates they brought on the car, they all worked pretty well. Uh, they start to understand it even better now. Uh, that's what also what they said uh, here in Suzuka. Uh, they work even better than, for example, in, in Singapore. It's a few more tracks, I think, where, where uh, Alpine can have
0: the upper hand. Right. Let's talk Mercedes now. They finished the race. Hamilton fifth. George Russell eighth. Hamilton outqualified George again. That in the last 10 races, it's 8-2 to Hamilton now in qualifying. That's proving quite dominant over one lap. Just what's your read, Juan, on, on the Mercedes pairing?
3: Well, I like the Mercedes pairing a lot. I think uh, they're a very good complement. George is consistent. He's been, well, now, well, not now, well, but in most of the races in the top five. Obviously, what happened in Silverstone and in other issues, but he's a very consistent in race. Lewis, we know what was we gonna add to Lewis. No, I think he was working a lot for the team to try to understand this car. That never, everything we, every time we thought, oh, now they got the a little bit better, they were not. No, they, they go back uh, a step backwards. But I like the the Paris experienced driver, seven world champion, somebody who George they don't, he don't care. It's against Lewis. No, he will try to beat him all the time, and that's the way to a team to move forward. We have to see what they're preparing for next year. But at the end, they're fighting over there with Ferrari a little uh, sometimes. But yeah, third in the championship must not be the best for Mercedes not after eight championships, like Christian say.
0: Have you been impressed with the way Lewis has handled himself this year? After so much domination, it would have been so easy for him in this car, in his relative lack of competitiveness to sort of maybe take his foot off the gas, just, I don't know. Not He's so professional, no, of course he wouldn't and he hasn't done that but still it must have been tempting. What, Christian, have you been impressed with the way he's handled himself?
2: Yeah, well, what impressed me most about Lewis this year because uh, not only that the car was uh, the beginning of the season and still now is not competitive at all, let's say, to fight for race wins but also he had the pressure from George Russell and everybody thought, oh, that's that's going to be a very difficult season for him but, but I always thought, once the car gets better again, we, 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 we do see the real Lewis Hamilton again uh, that is just uh, perfection in, in, in racing and that seems to come out now again and, and, uh, and George has a little bit uh, a harder time against him and uh, yeah, it just proves he never gives up and uh, he did a lot of work for the team at the beginning of the season, tried to help the team to understand the problems they have, did a lot of work on race weekends on the car that he didn't not publicly publicly talked about even though it was probably worse for his races
0: and I think he's just a super strong driver still he said last week yeah I can do another five years of this <laughs> yeah, amazing yeah <laughs> do you believe him yeah look at Alonso <laughs> <laughs>
1: Alonso's Maybe I have be, a, <laughs> a chance yeah, again. Yeah. Come I'm on, it's time 9. for a comeback.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Even Seb Vettel was saying, actually, that he, although he's retiring, he'd love to come back for one race a year yes. here at Suzuka because the drivers do really love this place, don't they? In fact, let's talk about Vettel because yeah. what a weekend for that guy. He finished sixth, but he was last at one point. He managed to get into Q3 in, in an Aston Martin. Christian? I mean all weekend he was in such a good mood he
2: really enjoyed uh, being here he loves the circuit obviously he loves the culture and you it just reflected in, in in the results and the way he was driving uh i mean it was a uh, very very good qualifying from him but then at the same time uh, the race to have that early stop just uh, changed the, the race completely for for Aston martin and i think uh, you know to look after the tyres for such a long time, uh, having quicker cars behind you, P6
0: is a, is a mega result. And he had his whole family here this weekend. Wife, kids, the whole lot. I saw a photograph, I think it was on Instagram, of him pushing a trolley through Nagoya Airport with, I don't know, how many bags on it? About, about <laughs> yeah. eight but massive suitcases. It's like he had his whole house with him. But it's a joy to see him going so well. And even Mike Crack actually said earlier in the weekend that... There's been absolutely no let-up from that man since Hungary when he made his retirement
3: announcement. Yeah, but I think, as Christian mentioned, I mean, Vettel lives uh, on all the drivers, I think, with motivation. I think this track motivated him more. He wanted to perform more. I don't say he didn't want it, but one of the reasons of the retirement thing is trying to fight with a team, going for the wins. And he now thinking, well, I was staying home with my kids. And I think today he performed what we always remembered for him when he was champion here. And he was elected the driver of the day, obviously, because the people loved him. I mean, there was a couple of other Sebastian Vettors around the crowd and everybody, you know, he had doubles. I mean, what a guy. I mean, I think we're going to miss him a lot, but today he you can see that he still have it. Uh, Maybe not for the whole season, it's too long, but at least, as Christian say, come to here, to Suzuka. I don't know which team is gonna let him (laughs) drive a car for just one race, but I mean, that's the motivation he needs to, if he wants to, I don't know, I don't think so, but maybe sometimes come back to Formula One, have to be with a team that gives him the hopes to to fight for the wins. Do
0: you think there's a moment or, or something in the back of his mind saying, have I done the wrong thing here? I'm loving this. I love driving Formula One cars. Why am I retiring?
2: Yeah, I mean, if you come here for uh, just for a weekend uh, to race in Suzuka, that's all night and that's all the passion. But I think uh, he's also looking forward to retirement, just to have more time at home with his family. And race weekends, yeah, they are fun, but there's a lot of uh, hard work going into into uh, you know being a race car driver. And I think uh, he made up his decisions. Uh, He's usually a person who sticks to his decisions. And I think he was very clear about uh, his intentions.
0: Coming to Suzuka, what odds would you have given me on Nicholas Latifi finishing in the points? Long, I think it's fair to say, right? Long odds. I mean, I think we need to celebrate the fact that he actually drove a great race.
3: Yeah, I think so. And remember what happened on Friday, maybe making a mistake. He didn't, he was a mistake. He Just remind everybody what the mistake was. Yeah, well, he turned before the chicane. You know, he, he messed up with the track. Uh, he said he had a little issue, or has an excuse. He spun a couple of times. But then, you know, first time in Suzuka and these conditions, as you said, and not that many laps and performing and staying in the points, I think it was fantastic. No? He needs that kind of, uh, at least he's saying goodbye to Formula 1. I don't think he's going to, i don't. sorry Niklas, but I don't think maybe he's going to have the chance to come back in the shorter term. And uh, and with this performance in in Suzuka, with these conditions, I think it's going to give him more confidence for the rest of the season. Well, the four races that we, we are left in the championship.
0: And it'll make him feel that he's signing out more on his terms.
3: Yes.
2: But maybe these, these kind of wrestles just came a little bit too late. So sometimes as a driver, you need this confidence boost, you know, that you can actually, that you can do it. And uh, I mean, the race today was, was really good and it was a difficult race, difficult conditions. Uh, first, uh, you have to bring it to the, to the finish line to, to, to get this wrestled. And I think, uh, can't argue that was a, a good job that he did today.
0: Guys, one final thing I'd love to get your thoughts on. Uh, It's been spoken about a lot since the race, Um, the recovery vehicle that was uh, on the track. Uh, In fact, there were were two and Pierre Gasly, of course, going past just as the red flag was coming out. Very serious situation. Christian, just from a driver's point of view, what will they be saying to the FIA after that? Pierre Gasly clearly furious when he got out of the car.
2: He's a close, he was a close friend of Jules Bianchi, so it was, uh, this is obviously this situation is uh, very close to his heart. And uh, we should have learned from these situations. And under no circumstances, especially in wet conditions when drivers can't see properly, there shouldn't be any trucks or tractors on, on the track. I mean, I can understand Pierre totally, uh, uh, he was very furious about the situation and it just
0: should not happen. But Christian, just from a driving point of view, he was doing, I think, 250 kph at that point and again a little bit later in the lap when he went past the next recovery vehicle. Is there an element that the drivers need to take some responsibility when you're in a double waved yellow situation? You're meant to be able to stop under a double wave yellow. You shouldn't be doing 250. So, of course, there should not have been a recovery vehicle on the track. That's a given, and we need to find out why. But actually, the drivers need to take some responsibility as well.
2: Probably, yes. And uh, he was also driving too quick under red flag, it was then afterwards. There's responsibility to the drivers, yes. Um, I'm also sure he was not informed from the team, but how can they see that at the same time uh, that there is this tractor already on, on, on the track? Yes, with double uh, double yellow flags, you have to slow down significantly. But if that straight is usually driven by 300, then 220 is slowed down significantly, so difficult. Yeah,
0: but no recovery vehicles on the track.
2: That is the bottom line, isn't it? No recovery uh, vehicles on track uh, until really the the race has uh, slowed down or they are behind uh, uh, the safety car, let's say.
0: Okay, well, that was a negative, but the vibe in the Suzuka paddock this evening is one of great joy and it's been a privilege to just stand here outside the Red Bull hospitality area and just catch up with some of the guys. Everyone, face paint or not, uh, is just loving the moment. And they need to cherish this moment, don't they? Because it doesn't happen every day.
2: Uh, Definitely not. Uh, And uh, I mean, it has been a long way for Red Bull Racing to be in this position again uh, to fight for the World Championship. It has been very, very difficult years when the team next door, Mercedes, uh, were beating them, and they were—they felt like uh, unbeatable. And I think the next big thing and satisfaction for them is to to get the, the
0: constructors' title. Uh, and. Uh, pretty sure that will happen soon yeah there's an inevitability about that as well so gentlemen thank you very much for your time juan
3: we're coming to your neck of the woods next yeah now you're gonna be on my time zone good <laughs> you won't be jet-lagged for about no, the first no. time in 18 races no and we have three in a row no we have austin mexico that is our main race in brazil everything close to my house <laughs> it's gonna be brilliant. when are we next seeing you christian in mexico of course max verstappen red
0: bull I've always been brilliant there, haven't they? Well, look, guys, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been brilliant to get your thoughts. And F1 Nation will be back next Monday because we have a break, as Christian says. We're going to be back in the UK for a few days before flying out to Austin. And uh, Damon and Natalie will be back with me to give us a US Grand Prix preview. But for now, thanks for listening. F1 Nation is produced by Formula One and Audio Boom Studios.